0: Today's podcast is sponsored by Carissa Wu's System for Six Figure Success. Want to say hello to more sales with less effort? Say peace out to your nine to five job? Want to be able to choose clients that don't suck the life out of your soul? You guys are in for a treat because systems for six figure success is what you've been looking for. Wedding photographer and educator Carissa Wu created a program designed specifically for you so that you can elevate your income, feel confident AF while taking your business and life to the next level. Inside her three-month coaching program, you get 12 one-on-one 60-minute live calls, two 60-minute strategy calls, audits on your website, copywriting, and email sequences, slack access, and lifetime access to the course material, including any course updates. If you're looking for a curriculum and community that's crafted for your exact stage of business, the systems for six-figure success is for you. To find out more, visit the link in our show notes to go directly to the course page. Oh, and if you guys mention this ad, you'll get a one-on-one intensive with Carissa, which is a $900 value for free. Hi everyone, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Tea with Janae. I'm your host Janae Kirshner of Janae Kirshner Photography and the photo education and coaching site T with, with Janae. is where we give real advice, tangible tips, and thoughtful insight about what it's really like to be a wedding photographer. I'm so thrilled to be chatting with Becca and Betsy from Rebecca Rose Events all about how to fine tune your design process and balance aesthetics with logistics. They share why fine tuning your design process can actually help set you apart in a sea of other wedding professionals. The duo share what they've learned from running a successful business and give tons of tips and insights along the way. A little bit about Becca is that she is the founding partner and creative director of Rebecca Rose Events. With over 18 years of experience, she has executed hundreds of special events and has been named one of the best wedding planners by Southern Living. Betsy, who co-owns Rebecca Rose Events, loves to produce memorable events for those who cherish hospitality and entertaining as a time-honored tradition. I'm so excited to have them both join us today, and I can't wait for you to listen to today's episode. So let's get started. Let's grab a cup of tea and enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm so excited you guys are here. I have two wonderful ladies on the line today. Becca, Betsy, can you guys say hi? Hi. Hello, hello. So excited to be here. Hey, everyone. Glad we're here. Yeah, I'm so excited you guys are here. I can't wait to talk about what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about fine tuning your design process and balancing aesthetics with your logistics. But before we get started, let's tell everybody a little bit about you guys, how you got started and how you started your business.
1: Yeah, I will. This is Becca starting. I will jump in. um, And I think just start by saying that building this company, Rebecca Rose Events, has been a true labor of love. Um, You know, we credit the contributions of our really generous and thoughtful and driven and trustworthy clients from around the world. and, And also the friendships and the You know, the relationships that we've created and developed with the like minded professionals who are led by that same deep rooted love for hospitality that we have. And so that's how we create not only a legacy for our clients, but also for ourselves and our families, just as, you know, purposeful human beings. And so that's really that background and understanding is sort of the reason that we've modeled our company as a true holistic brand where almost nothing is outsourced because we want to ensure that there's really excellence in every single detail and every touch point that's both challenging every day, but that's also what makes us incredibly rewarding. And so the quick background on us is that Rebecca Rose Events is a full-service destination planning, design, and production firm. And... We really offer a concierge style approach to planning and design that includes in-house floral design and graphic design and print production. And the buck doesn't just stop with logistics, um, hence the topic we're here and excited to talk about today. So in an average year, we plan and design and produce about eight weddings and a limited number of social events as well. And I'll tell a quick little um, background of kind of the kick, you know, my career background that kicked off this journey and then Betsy will jump in with hers. Um, but I really started my career as an intern at, um, and then I stayed on as a freelancer after that internship ended at a large international PR firm in Atlanta. And I really quickly realized that I did not, in fact, love pitching press releases, <laughs> but I did love the events that we were doing. And that really led me to uh, an exciting opportunity to do some and to plan and produce an internal events, at the Coca-Cola company at their corporate headquarters in Atlanta, well, in 2005, which I'm, you know, kind of aging myself here, but I married my college sweetheart, who at the time was two years into his four-year PhD program at the University of Georgia. And I don't know if any of you have ever been to the Atlanta and Athens area, but I could not stomach the three-hour commute each way on a daily basis to keep that job in Atlanta. So I moved to Athens, oh, wow. which was... Is- such a fun college town. If you've never been to Athens, Georgia, totally worth a visit. Um, And I found a coveted position on the university's special events team. So I did events for the university of Georgia for um, those years while he was finishing his PhD program. And while I was there, that's where I really fell in love with social celebrations. And I started to do um, weddings kind of on the side. So the quick wrap up of this is that when he graduated, Um, from that PhD program, his first position as a professor was in San Antonio, Texas. And I already knew at that point, I really wanted to start a business, but I wanted to be intentional and first learn the business side of the industry. And I knew that that meant working for, um, probably a venue. And so I went to work for Hyatt and after three years at a very exceptionally busy Hyatt hotel property, I'm sure Betsy will talk more about that because that's where we met, um, We were given the opportunity for my husband to have his literal dream job back here in North Carolina, where we both met and went to college. So we moved back here in 2010, that summer, and I founded Rebecca Rose Events basically right as we arrived into town. And here we are nearly 12 years later. And as they say, the, the rest is history. And Betsy will share her background here and what led us together. But in 2013, we joined forces as business partners. And now I focus exclusively on event design and aesthetics, serving as our company's creative director, while her focus is dedicated to logistics. And together, we've worked to grow and nurture and elevate a business that we both love. So Betsy, jump in (laughs) and you're part of the story now.
2: Awesome. So that exceptionally busy um, hotel property that Becca mentioned was the Hyatt Regency San Antonio, which if you've ever been, it's right on the Riverwalk, really fun property, um, Becca and I were doing slightly different versions of what we still do today, but ultimately we were planning and executing events and drinking the occasional margarita afterwards. <laughs> so <laughs> the only difference is, um, back then we had much better skin and today we get to do a whole lot more of what we love, uh, which is really that connection through weddings and social events and building those relationships. So my background is I always thought I would own a restaurant. Um, My first job was in hospitality. I took a job to make money for some questionable fashion choices as a (laughs) 16-year-old. And that job was at a gourmet catering company and food shop. And in this kind of nothing 16-year-old job, I fell in love with the art of hospitality and caring for people and realized that this is my passion in life. So I studied hospitality management in school. Um, While I was in college, I was awarded a scholarship through the National Restaurant Association. And in that, um, the relationships I developed, I was recruited to work for Hyatt Corporation. So um, a week after college graduation, the moving trucks came, um, thank you Hyatt. (laughs) And I relocated to San Antonio, Texas. And my first property was a resort Um, And I was the assistant executive steward, which essentially meant that I was uh, the assistant dishwasher boss. It was the least (laughs) glamorous job I've ever had in my life, but an awesome learning experience. Um, And I worked my way up through the ranks with Hyatt. And this is the boring part of my resume with lots of facts and figures and corporate jargon. So I'll skip all of that. Um, And just tell you that Becca and I crossed paths years later at the Hyatt Regency San Antonio. She was responsible for selling, and I was responsible for servicing. Um, So my role was the director of banquets and convention services. And our friendship really sprung from this very competitive nature that we both had in our jobs to be incredibly successful and be the best at what we did, and our shared love of tequila. I feel like that's an important part of our story, which we'll probably talk more about later. I will just jump
1: in and say it was a stressful, stressful <laughs> job. Both of us had stressful jobs, and there were many evenings that involved laying, or I should say, floating on our backs in the pool in my backyard <laughs> at like weirdly late hours of the evening with a margarita. So that's where
0: <laughs> the oh, shared I love the that. Tequila
1: manifested. <laughs>
0: Well, that sounds you know like a pool party I want to go to. That good.
2: <laughs> you know what they
0: say, work hard, play hard. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, I'm so excited you, you ladies are here and I'm excited to like pick your brains about this. It's an interesting topic and I think our audience is really going to love it. So when did you guys start working together? Like when did you officially partner?
2: Yeah. So when Becca left the Hyatt Regency San Antonio to move to North Carolina, and start Rebecca Rose events, I stayed on with Hyatt. um, And I eventually got the position of the director of all of the restaurants. So remember that original dream, I thought I wanted to have a restaurant. Long story short, I hated that job with a passion and just completely and totally burned out. So I left Hyatt. I left my corporate comfortable job, moved to the Caribbean and had what I call my eat, pray, love journey. I fell in love, drank too much wine, soaked up the sun. And for the first time in life, kind of really learned the value of rest. Um, So in 2013, I picked up the phone and said, hey, Beck, I'm going to be in North Carolina. It's been years. You want to have a margarita and a lunch? And she said, I would love nothing more but I have an event and it's a big one. Uh, So unless you want to work a wedding, I probably won't get the chance to see you. And we laughed and I said, well, I'm just doing some freelance stuff right now. So if you want help, I'll help you. And she's like, okay, great. (laughs) So her husband picked me up at the airport and this was just meant to be a, you know, reconnect as friends. But through the weekend we fell back in step and it was a little bit of that um, memory of old times. And at the close of that weekend, after three days of really, really hard work, I think we both had that feeling of what if, and that feeling of what if developed into conversations. There were definitely more margaritas involved. Um, There were some trips where we spent some time together. You're making us sound like drunks. I promise you (laughs) (laughs) We're not at all. But we, after careful conversation of what that could look like and what that would mean for both of our lives and both of our careers, we decided that a business partnership could work for us and we were excited about it. So um, we worked with a legal firm, put together our business prenup just to make sure that we knew that we were approaching this thoughtfully, carefully, and with a long-term in mind. So that was in 2013. And here we are all these years later. And has been just as wonderful of a ride as we could have ever imagined, and there's a long future ahead that we're really excited about.
0: Oh, that's awesome! Absolutely. Oh gosh, you guys are almost 10 years. That's awesome! That's so cool.
1: We're coming up, yeah, It's it almost 10 years apart, yeah.
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, two we'll more years. <laughs> two more. Yeah. I'm not doing my math <laughs> right. All right, it's early.
2: <laughs> more coffee, please. Yeah, exactly.
0: More tea, actually. So let's talk about you know, fine-tuning your design process and balancing your aesthetics with logistics. I find this really interesting. And mm-hmm. I think for our listeners, maybe you guys can just sort of explain what a design process might look like so they can have a clear understanding of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So excited to talk about this. I think one of the hallmarks of our approach, which is certainly unique within the industry, is that we are just really never willing to allow our design work to adhere too strictly to any particular formula. So, you know, it, it sounds cliche, but this is really ingrained in the way that we think about and approach our work. No two weddings should ever be quite alike. If they are, we have not done our job. There's not gonna ever be one style that we do well and stick to that because the versatility and storytelling and kind of just the infusion of personality is really at the heart of our work. And as a designer and an artist, I am never gonna be satisfied with the idea that, you know I just need to do one style of wedding really well. And I'm not saying that's not a healthy business model for so many, cause it is, and I'm not discounting it. But for years I felt like I had to just design sweet Southern weddings and nothing else. And that is not true. Mm -hmm. I love a challenge. I love the eclectic. I really appreciate and love good contemporary design as much as more traditional approaches. I appreciate all of it, and I'm excited by all of it. And so that's how we approach a design for our clients, just with really genuinely open eyes and open arms and open minds and eagerness to create something that is grounded in what's important to them and their values and their personalities and their aesthetic preferences to create something that they will truly love. And so for event design to be, you know, really interesting and impactful, it has to be authentic, it has to be cohesive, and it has to be well executed, which is where that process of marrying logistics and aesthetics is so critically important. You can't just have something beautiful if it doesn't function well. And you right. can't just have something really well organized that functions well if it isn't meaningful and beautiful. So if you think for a minute um, about kind of like, I think any of us can relate to this, when you walk into someone's home, you know, within a few moments, you can tell if, the, if they are someone who took the time to integrate personality and individual style into that environment in their home, or if they've maybe decorated their home just kind of purely with an eye for necessity, and maybe even heavy handed attention to just trends. And a really wedding is no different than that. I want guests at our clients' weddings to arrive and think immediately, this is wonderful. Of course, this is Jane and Joe's wedding, or Joe and Joe's wedding, or Jane and Jane's wedding. Of course, it is. And it is just really unmistakably well done. So, to that end, when we begin our design process, it really begins with extensive discovery. The first thing we do is we're always going to schedule a budget review session, and I'm not going to dwell on that or talk about that too much, but I bring it up just to say that for any of us in our creative endeavors, we have to have a firm understanding of our client's financial comfort level to be able to cater to their needs, their preferences, and just what is really going to to work for them and make Mm -hmm. them happy. So we always start there. And then our next meeting is ideally going to be an all-day creative session together. So whenever possible, we're going to do that session in person, either in our design studio here in North Carolina or in our client's home, or you know, ideally on location in the destination of their wedding. And so this session is so much fun. It really is just tremendous fun for all of us. It will feel effortless for our clients. They don't need to take any notes. They don't even need to think too terribly hard about anything at all. I'm going to guide them through a set of conversations and tactile exercises that just feel fun for them, but are incredibly insightful for me to start understanding who they are, what they love, how they connect with each other, what they were raised to value, what hospitality really means to them. And of course, kind of the more expected elements, like what colors do they like? But, you know, event design is just not a color palette. That's the tiniest tip of the iceberg. Mm-hmm. And I think that gets to the heart of this, that both our aesthetic and logistics approach that marries the two, and we're always going to give equal focus and importance to those two concepts, but they are both very much grounded in this process of discovery and getting to know our clients on a really deep level.
0: Yeah, I love that. It sounds really thoughtful and very intense and very yeah. effortless. You know, it feels like you have really like fine-tuned it. So I would love you sort of talk about that, you know, now that we know what the design process is, you know, how can we start to fine tune it?
1: Well, and let's keep talking through a little bit. Um, I know Betsy can jump in and talk about kind of as we, what the creative session is like for her and then sort of what comes out of that to round out sort of the full design process and then talk about the, the things we do to fine tune it and the things I think that other creatives can do to fine tune their approaches too. Sure.
2: So to piggyback a little bit on what Becca has to say about the creative session process, an important note is Becca and I are both going to work on every single wedding and project together. And I think that's unique to our firm. We're not going to alternate or switch back and forth where I'm the lead with one client, she's the lead with the other. She and I have equal focus in working with our clients from start to finish but through different veins of areas of expertise. So my focus is on that logistics side, managing the budget, managing the vendor relationships, guiding our clients through etiquette, advising on food and beverage, um, the the logistics. Mm -hmm. And Becca's, which she has just spoken about, is really that creative side. So in thinking about blending those two, this is exactly how we work in our day-to-day. And so thinking about that creative session, that first step that we have with our clients, um, it's such a fun day and we get to watch all of these emotions and excitement and the way they interact with certain conversations, certain design pieces, you get to know them really well. And so in building those deeply personal relationships, we want to make sure that it's really rooted in trust and confidence for us to do our jobs well. And for them to feel confident in the execution and the decisions that need to be made. So while the day, this creative session day, is very joyful, um, we also get to see these little glimpses of things that may be worrying our clients. So in that session, I'm really honing in on the times they say words like anxiety, fear, concern. And when those come up, I'm internally thinking about, Is there a way that I can shift the logistics part of this day, in particular, the timeline or the space to offer them more of a a feeling of peace and calm so that they have the ability to soak in this this incredible experience? So, you know, I'll give you an example. One of the things that we're always going to confront head on is what if it rains? So, everyone is, you know, of course, you're going to wish it's a sunshiny, beautifully, comfortably cool day, and you should. Um, But it's so incredibly dangerous for us to just hope and pray. And, you know, I know that your audience is a whole lot of different folks in the industry, and I'm going to encourage a conversation to help change this outlook. Because when we work with our clients, we want to make sure that they are as happy and confident in the bad weather plan as they are in the good weather plan. So that in those times, you know, if you think about it, the thunder is like booming in the background. It's pouring down rains. We know our client may be sad, but there's no anxiety in what is going to happen next. How is this going to change? What are we going to do? They know exactly what plan B is and all of the design plans that are they've seen come together are going to effortly transition to that plan B. And behind the scenes, our our team knows exactly how to pivot and bring it all to life. So the kind of thinking back to that creative session, after it's done, there's a whole lot of, of digesting that happens both on my side and on Becca's side. And, and Becca, I'd love for you just to kind of share a little bit about your mm-hmm. feelings after the creative sessions and your main takeaways.
1: Yeah. So after... After that creative session, then I emerge from that really equipped with a deep understanding of what they're going to connect with, what matters most to them, kind of what their strong preferences are. And the reality is that I can't tell you how many times I think I can genuinely say that I might have more insight into what they like or dislike than they even realize about themselves by -hmm. this point. And my next step is then to begin a pretty lengthy And thoughtful process of taking all of that data, so to speak, (laughs) and using it to create an aesthetic plan for the entire wedding experience. So, in doing that, I'm going to work with Allison, who's our design and production manager, who does all of our graphic design and custom illustration to create proofs of one of a kind paper elements and details. I'm going to spend a lot of time researching and sourcing design elements. And ultimately, if, if I am not satisfied with what I'm finding in that search, then we're going to turn our focus to figure out if we can make it or have something custom made. And we've done that for fabric elements and large scale props for installations or bar structures or more. Um, and that process, like that process of sourcing and or creating those details is something that I'm always going to involve Allison in so that we can incorporate the artwork and weave together a consistent and cohesive story. And I'm always involving Betsy in this process of design as it unfolds as well, because we've got to think about how it logistically comes together and can be executed effectively. And so the overall process, the overall event design process is complex, but I think the simplest way to describe our overall approach is to say that it is every bit as much grounded in research as it is in just raw creativity. And that their research is how I know that I'm going to land on a cohesive vision that our clients fall head over heels in love with. And they feel like it's genuinely an extension of themselves and their values and how they wish to present their relationship to the world and interact with their guests. And then ultimately, once I have presented a full design plan to them and they're happy with it, which I'm going to say, I mean, and, and I don't mean for this to sound like I'm bragging, but. This is something that over the years, I had so much anxiety about presenting design plans because it is really stepping out on a limb. And I do not present multiple plans to our clients. I give them one. It is incredibly comprehensive. We are talking through literally every facet of the guest experience. And there may be some options built into a few areas. For example, I may show them A couple of different china patterns or something to give them some fun choices to make. But I am not showing them design option, plan one, plan two, plan three, Mm -hmm. because I've learned over the years that in doing that, all I'm doing is eroding their trust and I'm not really standing behind my own expertise. And so that was one of the biggest creative, I think, leaps that we made. I don't know how many years back now, but I've never had somebody unhappy with a design plan. It always hits the mark because it really is so grounded in this process of research and getting to know them to begin with. And it's kind of impossible to get it wrong. And so once we have that plan, then we're going to hit the ground running to place orders and put pieces into production, and Betsy's going to take the design plan and then integrate it into the logistics schedule and kind of the broader approach and we're going to continue then having through the rest of the planning period, internal conversations and brainstorming sessions as a team, as we're thinking through ways to streamline or just improve the execution of the aesthetic vision. But that at a sort of, that's an overhead glance of our approach to event design and kind of the process that we employ with our clients.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So so now that you guys like have, we know what this process is, you know how do you start to fine tune it, I guess, with with everything and balancing the logistics?
2: Oh, Janae, that's such a great question. And I know we can talk for a long time about our process and why it really is a hallmark. But I do believe that fine-tuning process is a lot of behind-the-scenes kind of grit that happens. And so we've taken the, this discovery phase. We've taken a whole lot of data. We've taken the trust that we've built. We've digested it. Um, that's when Becca and I, s- oftentimes will sit down together at our big table in the office and we'll work on this collaborative part. So things like diagrams, um, which directions should the ceremony face? So Becca's focus is, is going to think about what will be aesthetically pleasing? How will it photograph? Well, will the sun be beating down on people? Will it cause shadows? And I'm going to think about things like ease of service, the entrances and exit for the service staff and and meal service, the flow of the guests, the needs for and the timing for setup and installation. And there's a mutual respect that happens in our collaborative process that each other's opinions have value. And. For something to be beautiful, we know it must function well. So we work together to find a common kind of meet in the middle, common ground. Um, And I would say a a hallmark of Becca's design work um, is her ability to really layer colors and textures and patterns. Um, And that balance of design and aesthetics appears seamless to our guests when behind the scenes, there's a lot of thought. And I'll give you an example. So, you know, if Becca designs a tabletop to layer a charger, and then a dinner plate. I'm going to make sure that we rent two sets of dinner plates, one for the tabletop, one for guests to experience it, and one for the actual plating and servicing of the entree. Behind the scenes, you know, I've spent a lot of time in in big kitchens with chefs, both really nice and really angry. And Mm -hmm. I have a good understanding of that time and cadence that is required to plate a meal. And one set of plates would be, it disaster. would be, yeah, just a total, total disaster. disaster, a long lag time between courses. And we know that this could mean less band and dancing time, a delay in cake cutting and toasts, And, you know, if we think about a photographer that is not contracted to the end, this could put them in a terrible position. Um, and not be able to photograph the end of the moments that we know are important. So I think
1: that any wedding professional can apply just like a good basic level of scrutiny to their work in terms of blending the aesthetic experience with the logistics process. But there really is the need to kick things up quite a few notches. If you want to create a brand that is sought after for its attention to detail. And so some examples for us, um, I have created a brand standard that whenever I'm designing a wedding tabletop for a plated dinner, I am going to include a minimum of three layers to that place setting, usually more, but always a minimum of three. So for example, a minimum might include a charger, a napkin, and a menu card layered together. But typically I'm building in like a charger, a dinner plate, a napkin, a menu card, and a place card or some sort of personalized element, maybe a gift or something. And this is all on top of a thoughtfully chosen or custom-made table linen or interesting textured tabletop. And what Betsy just talked about in terms of the logistical process behind that is making sure that that design component can be executed well from a service standpoint so we don't end up with an angry catering team in the kitchen who then can't do their job well. So making sure that we're sourcing the correct number of pieces needed to do that. Another thing, you know, we will never, ever place a table linen without steaming or pressing it. There is just no greater pet peeve or shame than having such a thoughtfully designed table and it being ruined by wrinkled linens. They will be noticeable. And once you see it, you can't unsee it. And I just feel so bad for photographers that get these images back of what they know is a beautiful event And it is just a nightmare to deliver to clients images where wrinkles on linens really are one of the biggest things that catch your eye. And then that's also something that's not publishable either.
0: Yeah. I'm um, so happy you said that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. A beautiful table. And I'm like, nobody had time to steam this yeah. for me. Well
1: and that to your point, that's yeah. you know, practically speaking, the reality is it takes a lot of time to yeah. steam the pressed linens, an extensive what? amount of time. We need staffing and we need time. And we have to build that into the production schedule. So that often means that we're extending the venue access or rental contracts to avoid a scenario where maybe a tent structure is going up too late in the game that now our team doesn't have time to set everything up correctly underneath it. So there's always a cost associated with this, which is why, if you remember, kind of at the start of our conversation, I talked about starting with a budget review. That's why that is important. You can't have the attention to detail and exceptional design if we're not realistic about what it's going to take to produce that. And so another example, you know, when we train our team, whether it's employees or our 1099 contract staff, we have really specific standards for how we prep and place and position and light candles. And that may seem so silly, but if you light a taper candle while it's inside a hurricane or a glass chimney and the wick is too long, the side of the hurricane is going to turn black. It is. It just, it, it is. And it will be a nightmare to clean. It often can't be cleaned um, very easily. And it will absolutely show up in photos. And that's a mistake that can be really easily avoided. And when it's time for the photographer to shoot the room or the tent, you know, wherever the reception space is, we're always going to have at least one of our team present to assist. And whenever possible, I am always there myself as well, almost always. Um, we're going to light the candles. We're going to help position and adjust elements for best shots. We're going to be able to move them back when finished. And we're just going to help expedite that process so that our photography partners can really do their job as efficiently and exceptionally well as possible. And, you know, that's just one example of that, but it's You know, teamwork makes the dream work. I'm not going to expect a photographer to come in and be responsible for prepping this reception room to be shot and then putting everything back and blowing out all the candles to then go shoot the ceremony or whatever it might be. That's our job to pave the way for that to be done successfully. So there are just so many examples like that. But I think the biggest overarching principle here is that we have to always put ourselves in our clients and our guests' shoes. What will they need? What will they notice? What will they see, hear, touch, taste, smell? What will they want? And how can we make them comfortable before they ever even have to ask for anything? And that's the level of attention to detail that I'm talking about. And it matters equally for how we approach the wedding logistically and aesthetically.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I wish we did every wedding together because that sounds amazing. (laughs) 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 No, I mean, I had a, a wedding... Recently, where, you know, I had talked to the planner and I said, um, please make sure they don't fill the water glasses until I'm done shooting, yeah. right? Yeah. Because water is a pet peeve. Absolutely. And unfortunately, I walked into this beautiful tent and the water was on the tables and mm-hmm. I like, lo- you know, lost it. I was like, "I this there's so much effort and energy that went into this design from every single vendor. And then it's up to the photographer to make it look beautiful. And then I'm given like water, stains everywhere. And I'm like freaking out. It's just, you know, having a team that would have been there to make sure it didn't happen Mm, and like listen to the planner, you know, it just would have made everything a lot better. And I just appreciate that. And I'm sure my listeners who are photographers would appreciate that attention to detail because that makes our job easier. Thus, you get better pictures, right? Mm -hmm. So your work. And our clients get better photos at the end of the day. As a team, you're right, teamwork makes the dream work. And when you're not, you know, when you're out of sync or the logistics are off, like it can really, you know, just put kinks and stuff. And yeah, it's nice to hear.
1: Well, and I think piggyback of that water example is such a good one and such a common one. And that's sort of why we can't just have design in a vacuum. There's a logistical component to that because you know, it may be a server that's an hourly temp worker that's just there to put water on the tables and that's their job. And they don't understand the broader context of why it's dangerous to pour water too early and what that means for the photography and how much money went in to investing in that photography and that design plan. So that's part of our logistical role in supporting this aesthetic approach is to have those conversations in depth with the catering team, help explain what the importance is collaboratively figure out how to make it work with the timeline and just not kind of bark commands at people like, please don't pour the water yet. Right. Right. There's got to be detailed explanation behind that for that to be effective.
0: Yeah. So, you know, how would we sort of relate this? I guess we're kind of talking about like to wedding photographers or other wedding vendors, like how would they be able to balance stuff?
2: In the answer to how to avoid water in water glasses (laughs) for the room detail shot. This is it. Yeah, It's good timeline development and meaningful communication with vendors. Um, and that timeline development has to start really early on. Becca talked about the components about the budget and possibly renting additional time at the venue to be able to execute it. But for us, when we have that creative session and we're talking with our clients, we are, it's a collaborative exercise that we take them through so that they understand the why behind why we're suggesting things. So, if we just come out and say, No, you need a 12 hour photography cont- contract, they may question that. They may not understand it, which is why we start kind of in the middle. One of the first things we'll do is we've, we've got a, a big screen that we have at our office. And we'll look up the sunset time together, their wedding date, the location, the year, and put that on a piece of paper up on the screen so they can see. This is the time the sun sets. Talk about why that matters for photography, why that matters for ambiance with the dinner. And then from that sunset time, we're going to work backwards. We're going to talk about do they want to do a first look? Do they understand what that means? Do they understand if they... Choose to do a first look, what that means for the timeline. If they don't, what that means, we're going to build in buffer time for that detail shot. And the reason that matters is our clients have spent, everyone, no matter who you are, you've spent so much time dreaming about what your wedding day is going to look like. To not have a photographic memory of that, to not have that detail to be able to see is devastating. So that is building in that time and communicating that time is key. We're going to let the catering team know from this time to this time, the room needs to be completely clear of staff. There should be no glass racks. There should be no tray stands. There should be no water in the glasses. We're also going to let the band know this is the detail time. So your sound check needs to be either done or on pause. We need to make sure that your cases are put away so that everyone can do their best work and has time to do that. So in developing this and communicating it, we're allowing time for feedback for a photographer, for a caterer, for a band to say, I need to pivot a little bit, but they understand they are one piece of a big team with a common goal of producing an amazing event for two people who love each other.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It's so important.
2: Well, and I think just as to piggyback
1: on that real quick, you know, just as, you know, we've talked about the importance of our team, our internal team being in sync and that same level of importance in terms of how well we communicate with our creative partners and the production vendors. But, you know, part of that and how we ensure that is we're always going to share the full final, not just like an overview, the full final design plan with the photographer, with the videographer, with the caterer. We're always going to have a collaborative approach to timeline development so that if, you know, if we're working with you as you're the photographer and you should have direct input into what we need to consider for any particular lighting challenges or timing for portraits and those things. And I think this is such a, a helpful thing to talk about, like to this audience, which we know is diverse within the industry, but it's probably heavily comprised of amazing photographers. I think, you know, this is something that is so incredibly important for all of us when we approach the wedding day, that, that the collaboration has to begin in advance and not on the morning of the wedding, you know, to know that if there is something on the design plan, it was integrated and created with intention that it's meaningful to our, to the clients, that it really needs to be captured to know that if there's a timeline component that, you know, as a photographer worries you as planners, we can best address it. If we know that in advance and we can plan around it and come up with a solution and to know that special requests for things like, you know, dietary needs or equipment can pretty much always be accommodated if we know about them in advance. But, you know, we want to create an environment that is conducive to success and it enables all of our partners, photographers and, and everyone else as well to do the best work and to love it while you're doing it. So, but I think the thing is that, you know, logistically speaking, our hands are often tied if we find out about it that day. So I think, you know, it's just, there's no such thing as too much information. There really isn't information and specifically the communication of that information is so essential to successful event planning, design, and on-site production. And it's how we all work together to create exceptional experiences for our clients and, and in turn, their guests.
0: Yeah. No, I love that. I think um, I always try to get everything talk to the planners. you know, six months out, three months out, one month out, like make sure we're on the same page. I guess it brings me to my, to my qu- next question is, you know, what are some processes or aesthetics we should avoid? You know, I'd love you both to share like three tips that you feel really strong about that our listeners can take away today.
2: Becca, can I take the first one? Go for it. All right. Um, asking client questions. That's what immediately comes to mind. And I feel like I probably need to clarify this because we've talked about discovery. That's important. The process of discovery comes from asking a lot of questions. So that's not exactly what I mean. Um, Not all questions are bad, but I'm talking about questions um, that would encourage your clients, the couples getting married to copy someone else's wedding. So, and not copy from start to finish, but, a concept they saved on Pinterest, an image they saw on Instagram, um, something they read in a blog, something a friend told them. So sometimes when we ask questions like, what time do you want your ceremony to start? Their answer will be, well, my so friend so-and-so started at this time, or I read an Emily post it should start. Um, you know, same thing. If, if Becca were to pre- approach the creative process, what colors do you want to use? Um... Are there, you know, from a photography? Are there any photo or are there poses that you really love, or pictures that you really love? You know, our clients have come to us and they've hired us for our expertise, and I think no matter your role in this industry, it's your responsibility to guide them to have the best and allow you to do your best work. So instead of being, you know, taking this order taker question approach, I really would encourage or kind of. Avoid that order taker and think more about acting as a responsible steward, as a guide, as someone who has the expertise and just recognize that your client has hired you because they want that in their yeah. experience.
0: Yeah, I agree.
2: Yeah. And I think that, so if that's number one, number two
1: dovetails with that really well. And I would say, and I talked about this a little bit before, but just it's important to avoid the fear of presenting ideas. And That's really common for us as creative professionals. It's hard to present our ideas. There are so many times when I have to step out on a limb and I know that I'm showing them something that maybe is really different than what they might expect, that there's always the possibility that they may not like it. But over the years, as I talked about before, I've realized, like, I can trust my own expertise here. I can trust this process. And then if we've done our jobs well we have cultivated an atmosphere of trust where our clients are genuinely thrilled to see different ideas because they know those ideas were created for them exclusively based on an understanding of them. And that is ultimately how you have a wedding that isn't just everyone else's on Pinterest Mm -hmm. and a design process that isn't grounded in caring about what other people do or just this overarching FOMO. Um, So I think That's number two is avoid the fear of presenting ideas and presenting your your expertise. And then the, you know, a third thing, I talked about this before, so I won't belabor it, but just not to be stuck um, or feel married to any particular formulaic approach. You have to use your expertise to guide people in good decision-making, but you should be nimble so that you can adapt and be willing to consider unique opportunities or patterns or scheduling ideas or a different flow if and when it's important to your client and if and when it makes sense and will enhance the overall guest experience. So, you know, I think the first telltale sign of an amateur wedding professional, someone really green is to see them tell their clients that something has to be done a certain way and fill out X, Y, Z in a form or else there's, that's just not a recipe for good service. It's not a recipe to move the needle with regard to an interesting balance of aesthetics and logistics or to build a reputation for attention to detail. So I think that ability to be nimble and consider, okay, they've said this thing is really important to them. That's not the way I've ever done it before. Let me figure out using what I know about what is logistically necessary, if there's a way to make that work and to do it beautifully. And that's how you end up with an incredible guest experience. That's more authentic to that couple.
0: Yeah. My goodness. I love those. Those three tips are amazing. They're so helpful. I feel like, you know, <laughs> I think people listening are like, oh yeah, I could do that. I don't have to be cookie cutter. You know, I don't have to be the order taker. I think it's a good one. I, I love that. Like you're the guide, you know, you, they hired you for a reason show them the reasons why. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: Yeah, I love it. Well, these ladies have been awesome. Thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your knowledge with us. And it was so insightful and let's tell everybody um, where they can find out more about you, your services and say hello online.
1: Yeah. You can find us online at Rebecca or on Instagram as at our Rose events. Um, And then we also have our sister brand, RRE Method, that provides coaching and workshops and unique educational resources to planners, designers, and and all creative wedding professionals. So that's at rremethod.com or on Instagram as at RRE method. And that's where you can find us. And we'd love to connect with you. Send us a DM. We will always reply. Oh,
0: that's awesome. Oh, good. You have, you have coaching and stuff like that. So all this information Mm -hmm. will be in the show notes. You guys can swipe on up right now, click on the link and let Becca and Betsy know you listened to today's episode. Thank you, ladies. It was so amazing having you here and I hope to have you back so much
1: today. today.
0: Well, that's it, you guys. I hope you liked today's episode. I want to give a huge shout out and a big thank you to Becca and Betsy for being here today. Uh, You guys are amazing. It was so fun to talk to you ladies. If you guys want to find out more about their services and how they can help you, just swipe on up, click on the show notes, and let them know you listened to today's episode. All right, you guys. I can't wait to share our next cup of tea together. Bye.